Hi and welcome to the About Her show. I am Sangeeta Relin, an educationist, a writer and a lifelong learner. I also run an e-magazine for women. This podcast is about trailblazing women and their journeys. Women who have broken many a barrier, many a stereotype to realize their potential. If they can do it, so can you. Having an unrestrained childhood where you can enjoy unlimited freedom can significantly contribute to the development of an independent mindset that is capable of making decisions and standing by them. This aspect is vital for one's personality growth and for achieving happiness and contentment in life. Our guest this week, the celebrated author Kiran Manral, strongly believes that the encouragement she received from her parents during her childhood paved the way for her success. Let's talk to her and understand what got her into the world of books and writing and how it gives her unparalleled happiness. So hi Kiran and uh, welcome to the About Her show. Now, uh, this is a show where we get uh, women achievers who we call women trailblazers to share the story of their lives with us, to tell us about, you know, the challenges, ups and downs of their lives, the highs and lows, and how they, uh, you know, manage to navigate their life around all of those challenges. And the idea is to, you know, let the listeners who are there to get motivated and inspired because, you know, a lot of women want to do various things, but they're not able to do for various reasons. So we feel that when they listen to other women having accomplished or chased their dreams, followed their dreams, they could also get encouraged and motivated to do the same. And then we want to build a community of women who are there to help support and motivate each other. So a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sangeeta. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So fine, then let's just dive in and uh, with the first question. So uh, tell us a little bit about your early life, your childhood, and um, if you feel that any of those experiences at that time, they influenced the life path that you took or whatever you're doing today. So I was born and brought up in Bombay. Uh, my father worked in bank and uh, my mother was a housewife for most of uh, my early years. Oh, the only thing I can think of is I was an only child, Sangeeta, and as an only child, you tend to be a little introverted. So I retreated into the world of books, mm-hmm. which my father sort of encouraged terribly. I mean, given a choice between buying a toy and buying books, I would like drag him straight to the bookstore. And okay. he never denied me books. He bought as many books as I would say. And, you know, salaries at that point weren't much, but he never stinted on the books. So I had like a huge collection of books as a child uh, oh, in the uh, the bank colony that we lived in. And I even had opened a circulating library okay. <laughs> with fees and fines and all of that. Uh, so many books did I have. I, I think that was the main... Uh, influence the fact that you know I was allowed to read unfettered and uh, it was actually indulged and encouraged and uh, my marks never mattered academic you know performance or progress never really mattered I was never pulled up for not topping the class or anything though you know my mother I mean it was very clear that I could have if I put in any effort but I never bothered (laughs) 
Uh, but you know, as long as she was happy and reading, I think my parents were about just content with that. So that was uh, the bulk of my childhood. And of course, my father passed away when I was very young. Uh-huh. And I became even more of an introvert. So I turned more towards books. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it sort of books became a solace and uh, an escape, whatever you may call them. So yeah, I guess when you, I mean, look at the way your life has shaped out, I think books have always had a major role to play in your life. And if I may say so, you know, even I was somewhat like that. And even I had a little library of my own where I used to lend to people and get terribly upset when they wouldn't return the books to me. You know, like oh, how- I had a fine system and everything, you know, so much fine if you're one day late, two day late. <laughs> yeah, eventually I had to do the same because otherwise people wouldn't return. All right. Just lovely. <laughs> so tell me as a child, did you have any dreams, any aspirations of what you would be when you grew up? Honestly, no, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I remember somebody asking me when I was in the school or early uh, junior college, what do you plan to be? And I very honestly answered that I really don't know what I'm going to do. I've never thought about it. And they were quite shocked because how can you not think about it? Yeah. All I knew that I was good at uh, language. I was good at writing. And uh, perhaps I would go into that space. So when my... Uh, I passed through my 10th board at that time. I got a decent percentage, which was, I forget now, 80 something or 70 plus, late seven. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh But I took arts. And at that time, it was if you got over a certain percentage, uh, I'm talking back 86, Mm -hmm. you had to get into science. That was like the given. You know, the smart kids got into science and the weakest ones took arts. And for one week after I had taken admission, my house was like a morning house with relatives and family friends coming to offer condolences to my mother. Why did you let her take arts? Arts make your future. Hai. Yeah. Itna percentage mein science mein to easily mil jata. Yeah. You know, it was that kind of a thing. But my mom was very cool. She was like, let her do what she wants to do. So yeah. I majored in literature, English literature. And I went on to first become a copywriter at an advertising agency. I sort of drifted Sangeeta. I never had a path planned went into advertising went into journalism went into news journalism then feature writing and I just kept drifting throughout so I don't recommend it for anyone (laughs) to be honest but then ultimately I think writing then I mean if you look at everything that you've done writing has been a major part so I think that's how you have gravitated towards Mm -hmm. becoming an author and now of course everything Mm -hmm. else so it has to do with being a literary person isn't it uh, more than literary, I think it is storytelling. So it's always yeah. about telling stories, whether it's been through journalism or whether it's been through the books or whether it's been through the columns or the blogs or even now through podcasting. Yeah. It's always yeah. about telling a story. So I think that has been, and even through the qualitative research and trend spotting that I did for quite a few years, mm-hmm. it's always been telling stories. <laughs> so then that means you have an act for that, isn't it? <laughs> Not everybody can tell them, you know, as effectively. I don't know if I have a knack, but I definitely love telling stories. So <laughs> okay. so tell me anyone who wants to get into this space of writing books or becoming an author, are there any tips that you would like to share? Hmm. I think the first and foremost, I mean, far be, from, far be it for me to pretend to have any wisdom on it because I'm still bluttering around. But I think the first thing and the most essential thing is to read a lot. 
Mm. I see a lot of people trying to come into the space without having read enough. So, you know, they, this, uh, they may have a great story idea, but they don't know how to tell it. They don't have the craft. Mm, mm, they don't mm. have the language. They don't have this. Uh, I don't expect everyone to be perfect first with the first draft. But, you know, put the basics in place yeah, so that yeah. that only comes with reading extensively and over multiple genres. If you've read in a single genre, that will show in your writing because your writing will be very reductive and derivative. Mm -hmm. So read across genres, uh, read multiple authors, uh, take risks in your writing. Don't, uh, you know, say that, okay, mythology is doing damn well now, so I will write mythology or, you know, spy thrillers are doing well, so I will write. Because you have to understand that what is selling right now has been written three or four years ago and by the time it's got a publisher and gone through the editorial and cover design and typesetting process, it's at least a couple of years. So you're you know, yeah. three, four years behind the wheel if you're thinking on those lines already when you've thought of it. Mm -hmm. Go into the market and see who are the publishers who are publishing the kind of books that you want to write. Okay. and target them go into the stores see the books see the publishers look at the acknowledgements at the back and see who are the editors the authors thank so you know whom to approach okay that's a great tip yeah 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 so you're not just you know cold calling sending out cold emails without uh, you know a name to it you know whom to address the mail to yeah every publisher website has their submission guidelines on it follow them strictly to a T. Make your cover letter brief. Your cover letter doesn't have to be about your entire story, the entire plot. It just has to be about you and a brief para about the story. And then you have the follow, which you will give a synopsis and you'll give three few chapters in your query. So mm -hmm. polish that and make that as sharp as you can. Mm -hmm. And the basics, of course, Sangeeta, I see a lot of people neglect it. Do your spell check, do your grammar check. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct, I agree. So that, that's about it. Okay. Yeah, and you will be rejected. It's nothing personal. Yeah. I mean, even after I've written so many books, I still get rejected. I still have to keep hunting for publishers. All of us do. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing personal and nothing to be dejected about. You just keep putting the book out in the market continuously until somebody picks it up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So basically, a lot of uh, persistence, patience, and I think consistent effort is what you're saying we should be aiming yes, to. And, and a very thick skin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is much required. So tell me when you embarked on this journey of being a storyteller, as you say. And of course, apart from the challenges that you faced in terms of, you know, opting for arts or, you know, going into this, uh, say, uh, you know, a way of life from people. What were some of the other challenges that you faced? And did you face any challenges because of your gender? Um, I wouldn't say so because uh, in terms of, you know, I, I am privileged enough to come from an urban background. And mm. uh, there are the only challenges one faced because of one's gender is one tends to get boxed in certain categories. So if you're writing, then the first thing people will ask you if you say you're an author is, do you write romance? Mm, mm, mm. Do you write chiclets? So it's just the assumptions people make. But I mean, what the hell, you are out there to destroy those assumptions. And you tell them that you write thriller and you write horror and you write mm. everything else under the sun. Um, the only challenges I would say I face because of my gender is the... I should say this 
but the you know the uh, your work is not taken seriously okay even it's considered a hobby hmm. even by folks uh, my husband is terribly supportive and uh, thank god for that but even you know within the immediate circumference it's yeah. seen as okay she's a writer she doesn't have fixed stars she can do you know she's available ah ah okay okay and plus you know uh, i hear a lot of male writers say i get up at 4 o'clock and i write uninterrupted then i will go for a long walk then i will do this and i'm like who is making the tiffin boxes who is managing the kitchen who is doing all of that stuff yeah who is putting yeah. the clothes away i mean all this domesticity that keeps intruding there's never the luxury of time uninterrupted to write the way yeah. you should get yeah. so that's a gender issue that i think not just me every woman author faces i think uh, sashi despande has written a lovely bit about it in her memoir listen to me Mm. and anita desai too spoke about it in uh, her interviews about how she would only write when the kids went off to school every day mm. and mm. Uh, she couldn't get any writing done during the summer vacations yeah so yeah. you know i think it's something all uh, most women writers with a family face so nothing to cry about but these are just small niggles that you know uh, i virginia woolf did say you know woman needs a room out to herself and money yeah, if she's yeah, to write yeah. fiction so that true. still holds true all these years later and you think in despite the fact that women are kind of you know juggling different roles and still being able to do everything that they have to you think women authors or for that matter women anything are not taken as seriously as uh, their male counterparts so there's this very interesting quote i forget who said it it says ginger rogers did everything that fred astaire did mm-hmm. and she did it backwards and in high heels yeah. but he got more applause Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's how it is. And it hasn't changed. Every, it hasn't changed. You do everything, and you do more. You look at the. Uh, I mean, there are there are research statistics. I don't have them on hand that women get reviewed far less than men or male authors do, okay. in mainstream publications. Uh, male readers will pick up male writers more often than they pick up women writers. Women. readers are gender agnostic they pick up both mm-hmm. and uh, uh, women's writing just uh, i mean there can be very intense serious writing but it will, it will all get slotted into this amorphous hole called women's writing you don't have a men's writing no you don't you don't right. yeah. yeah and because it is slotted in that it gets diminished in a way it gets reduced reduced to you know a gender based writing which is wonderful i mean it has the perspective of the gender but you don't see it the other way around for men's writing hmm. that is like world view and important a woman can write about domesticity and home and heart and write a lovely thing it would be seen as narrow and domestic and internal hmm. but men's writing the same kind of subject can be seen as deep and you know evocative and uh whatever essential life reading or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. so you have chiclet but do you have uh, you know the male lit yes got it i'm got not going to i'm not going to say the word on yes, <laughs> the podcast right. uh-huh. yeah so so i guess this is so, like any other profession where so there is a ceo and there is a woman ceo you know they talk like that mm, an engineer mm. and a lady doctor and so all of these you know they come with the yeah. that prefix that mm. you know it's a woman so you have to say that yeah all right 
So tell me in a normal day, of course, you know, we have our own, I mean, the normal routine to get through, but then we all are humans and we go through our, you know, ups and downs and highs and lows. So uh, are there any tips that you can again share or any mantra that you have of staying motivated and inspired every single day? I'm very bad at that, to be honest. I think, uh, but I do believe, Sangeeta, that we try to push ourselves too hard to be productive all the time. Mm -hmm. We're okay. always on this productivity wheel, like little hamsters. How many words have you churned out in my author speak? How many words have you done today? How much have you done today? How many tasks have you done? Have you done your to-do list? Have you ticked everything off your to-do list? Yeah. And uh, after a point, you know, you just feel very mechanical and it uh, it sort of sucks the joy out of living. So sometimes I feel it's good to just uh, not have a plan and just... Uh, let the feel lay fallow mm. for some time and okay. just absorb the world and have days of nothingness where you're doing nothing but absorbing, reading, watching, uh, meeting people and just re-energizing and refueling yourself. Okay. Uh, taking a holiday is what most people do, but I think within the week also, there's you should have pockets in your day to just do nothing. Mm. Maybe schedule in those pockets of doing yeah, nothing yeah yeah i think that's yeah that's very important because i think that when you're doing nothing you're kind of like you said refueling yourself because otherwise i think when you just keep going from one task to the other you're just sapping yourself out of energy and you know maybe more inspiration or something you know because it's just kind of is very very mechanical yeah 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 and it takes the joy out of things because then you just yeah. have to kind of tick it off rather than enjoy and savor it yeah yeah so, of course, life, you know, has a way of teaching us many things as we go along, right? I mean, there are mm. lessons that we learn and mistakes that we make. So, as a woman, is there anything that you would like to just tell maybe young girls or other women to be wary of or to be careful about when it comes to, you know, their lives? And something that I say very often every time I'm going to give a talk and I keep saying, learn to be selfish, Okay. You know, yeah. we are always pushing ourselves and I did it myself for the longest time. Mm -hmm. You try to be the perfect daughter, you try to be the perfect mother, you try to be the perfect wife and you try to be the perfect daughter-in-law, perfect, you know, homemaker you, or, you know, your house should be perfect. You should be perfect. Everything should be immaculate and your, the bachika school ka tiffin should be perfect. Everything should be running on, you know, steroids. But And you cut yourself no slack. Yeah. At the end of the day, who is worn out, who is tired, who is depressed, who is grumpy, who is exhausted perennially, and nobody will step up to the plate to help you because you've taken it all on yourself. Yes. So just be selfish. Know what you want to do, what your duty is, do. Don't go beyond that. If you have to put uh, ensure that three meals are on the table, do that. Get help. Get a, you know, get staff to do it. It's not essential that you have to kill yourself every time to make perfect meals. Yeah. Uh, if you have to, uh, you know, have the kid dropped off and picked up school, get uh, organized help to do that. You don't have to be going and standing outside the school gate every day, mm. you know, unless they are very little and you feel a little worried. So learn to delegate, learn to cut yourself slack, be selfish, take time out of for yourself. And do what you want to do. Find your passion. Once you found what you want to do, then you will yourself make the time for yourself to do yeah. it. 
But uh, the more you keep doing for others, it's a never-ending uh, wheel. You just keep doing. Mm -hmm. and, and after a point, you will not be able to get off that wheel. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. Because you've kind of given them, I mean, you've kind of made them habitual of your always being there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means what you're trying to say is that we need to have our boundaries in place. What is it that Absolutely. we can do? What is it that we should do? And like mm -hmm. they say, charity begins at home. So first set your boundaries and then communicate those boundaries to people so that they don't take advantage. Because I think then they are not to be blamed. You are only kind of mm -hmm. training them to, you know, treat you like this. All right. Yeah. To, ex yeah. to expect more and more from you. And it just keeps escalating. Yeah. Expectations. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we need to do that. So, but Kiran, tell me something in today's day and age when I think it's kind of a given, but we still see a lot of young girls who are not, you know, somewhere wanting to be um, independent. So here, when I'm talking about independence, I'm talking about financial and emotional independence. How much do you think these are critical to a woman's life? And what would you have to say about this to the younger generation? See, at the moment, I'm not financially independent, so I'm not going to give any gyan on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, post the pandemic, I... Yeah. So, of course, there is income. It's not as uh, regular yeah, yeah. and uh, whatever it is, but there is some income. But, uh, yeah, I think financial and emotional independence is very, very important, Sangeet. I'm so glad you spoke about this. Such mm. an important thing because we are conditioned to expect that we uh, women should be secondary earners in the house if they earn if they are earning or women should put their careers on the back burner and you know give priority to the husband's career and be trailing spouses yeah. because of course there, there will be children and whatever uh, where would you be without a spouse or a partner or a lover or a boyfriend hmm, hmm, you're hmm. so emotionally depend or or, or whatever your thing is where would you be alone? You cannot grow old alone. You cannot, you know, yeah. see, you're not allowed to visualize yourself growing old alone. Why? Mm. You need to just visualize yourself being happy, whether in a partnership or whether alone, whatever makes you happy. And if anything is not making you happy, you need to have the courage to walk away from it. Correct. But sometimes in marriages, then the courage to walk away from it will only come if you're financially independent. So that is, you know, another chicken and egg syndrome. So keep your financial independence. Love your husband. I forget who said it. I think it was Lucille Ball, if I'm not mistaken. Love your husband, cherish your husband and get as much as you can in your name. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's an evil thing to do. But I was saying don't get as much as you can in your name. But have your own nest egg. Have your own financial independence. Hmm. So hmm. that at any point, if you feel unhappy, disrespectful, in any way you just have the courage to walk away yeah. and you're not financially dependent at least emotionally that takes a bit of a work working on but yeah and also you know like unforeseen circumstances like especially what the pandemic taught us you know something absolutely like absolutely Right. You can't be Absolutely. so dependent that you, if that person is not there, it should not mean that you are all at sea and you don't know what to do with your life. Absolutely. You need to have an independent life. And for talking about financial independence, I know so many women who do not even know how to operate their bank accounts yeah. or to manage their finances or to invest. And mm. uh, they all come from the upper strata, uh, from privileged families. Mm. I think to myself and 
I'm not great at it myself, but I'll be able to manage. But yeah. uh, know your money and know how to use and work your money and what to do and what money is where and what properties are where and what is everything. Be aware of things so right. that if, God forbid, anything unforeseen happens, you're not all at sea and you're not dependent on anybody else to do the things for you because a lot of women get conned and cheated at this point. Oh. They're already in grief and... Uh, it happens. I mean, I've seen it with my own mother. So, mm. you know, you have to know. Yeah, that's very today's day and age when there is so much of awareness. And, you know, you can learn anything that you want at just the click of a button. Why wouldn't you do mm. it? Isn't it? And I mean, there's so, yeah, there's so many apps, uh, Sangeeta, yeah. which help you with personal finances. Lakshmi is there. Salt is there. They're yeah. all for women to use their personal finances, learn yeah. for personal finances. I mean, in earlier yes. days, yes, there wasn't so much in the sense there wasn't also so, so much of opportunity available. You know, if women wanted to, it mm. was difficult. Nowadays, it isn't. You know, like you mm. can if you have the, like they say, where there is a will, there is a way. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So, Kiran, uh, nowadays, of course, we see a lot of women are not only following their dreams and passions, but they're becoming very successful at that. Yeah. Having great careers with their ambitions and heading companies and running businesses and all of that. So how do you think the world takes to such women? And when I say the world, I mean both men and women. How do they react to them? That's an interesting question, Sangeeta. How does the world react to women who are successful? I wouldn't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, you're successful. I'm sure you know. There are, there's a lot, uh, there are a lot more very successful women out there. I yeah. think there's... Uh, there's this uh, kind of judgment that sits around a very successful woman. Okay. Everybody is eager to see when she will fall, when she will slip. She has to be doubly on her guard to be perfect. Hmm. And hmm. A, lit a little slip anyway, and they will tear her down. Hmm. 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 And they will tear her down, not just within the professional circles. Hmm. They will tear her down on social media. They will tear her down on uh, even within the you know, immediate uh, circumstance of family and friends and relatives. Hmm. So there will be the applause, there will be the, you know, the wow and there will be all the hurrahs and everything when she is achieving. But the moment, and she also becomes, in a way, I think the, the icon that other younger girls look up to. Hmm. Hmm. If she is successful and when, for God forbid, uh, if there's any slip up or any goof up, you see a lot of women in very powerful positions who have been set up as the glass cliff. Yes, 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 I agree. Yeah. They've been set up to just be the fall guy and take, you know, manage a desperate situation which cannot be managed. Yes. yes. And then we're so quick to, you know, pull them down when that happens as people, as yeah. onlookers. I also feel that... Uh, Women have great resilience mm. despite everything. So a woman who is in a powerful position is obviously there because she is twice as good as the men around her. Mm. Mm. Because the glass ceiling, we all know still exists. The gender gap still exists. The pay gap exists. The mm. Circumstances domestically, women are still doing 80% of the work at uh, home. Maybe not the physical work, but the actual managing of the day-to-day -day thing compared to the men. So with, despite all this against them, the 
old boys network is very predominant the old women's network old girls network barely exists mm-hmm. so despite all these disadvantages if a woman has made it to the top she's definitely very very good at what she does yeah. and then there will be the you know okay she's left her way to the top sometimes mm-hmm. that's the easiest way to pull down a woman who's made it to the top mm-hmm. and there's yeah. always kind of slurs and aspersions on how she makes it very yeah. few will give credit where credit is due and say okay she deserves it uh, and she's worth uh, you know being put given that position so it's a double edged sword she will be uh, put on a pedestal but they will also be quick to topple her down yeah there's yeah. any 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 reason to I agree. I agree. And it's always like if you're good at your work, then maybe you're neglecting your home. You're not looking after your children. So it's there is always that element of judgment. And it's very unfortunate, but it's both men and women who do it. You know, even women will not yeah. kind of sometimes, you know, they will also pull you down for whatever reasons. So, yeah, it does happen. So I remember, Sangeeta, it does happen. I remember my mm-hmm. son was giving his 10th boards and I was traveling on work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, on a, I think the society WhatsApp group or the school WhatsApp group, I forget where it was. Mm-hmm. And the women were, how can you be traveling when his words are going on? Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, his father's there. He has studied. What yeah. do, he has to write the exam. Yeah. What do I have to do? But that judgment was so heavy that here is a mother who is so unconcerned. She's traveling and it was barely for a day, you know, a day trip to come back. Mm-hmm. But his quotes are going on. Because yeah. there were women who were taking leave from work for over a month when the kids' quotes were going on. And here's this woman traveling happily. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been through that myself, so I can totally relate to that. Okay. So uh, there is this trend that I ha- I notice around me, which I actually call the midlife rebooting, where you see a lot of people in their early 40s, late 40s, early 50s, you know, switching to different careers, doing things mm-hmm. that they, I mean, which are diametrically opposite to what they've been doing all their lives. So a banker suddenly becoming an author or somebody mm-hmm. taking farming and things like that. So why do you think this is happening? I mean, did the earlier generation never have any hobbies or what is it? I mean, why is it that you see more and more of people doing these things nowadays? I think women now realize uh, that they have to reclaim their lives, which I think the earlier generation did not. There was a kind of fatality to their thought process. Okay, this is it. We've had our kids, our kids have grown up. And now it's time for us to, you know, go do Vanvas Ashram. Mm. So <laughs> it was that progression. <laughs> we are like now, okay, I think it's like, you know, the 40s and I think also menopause. It gives you a kind of jolt, okay, is this it? Is Shouldn't there be more to life than what we've done so far? Mm. And uh, this is my last chance at being happy with what I'm doing or to do something that is meaningful and worthwhile. Yeah. And a lot of people take do a complete reboot from, um, as you said, from completely different professions. They go to different spaces altogether. I think it's so wonderful, but to have that courage to take that leap. Yeah. To, you know, it's very difficult. I have a very dear friend, Apurva Purohit, who is uh, on the board of Jagran. Mm. Uh, and she was a director there and she was uh, very, really senior. And Apurva chucked it all up to become a you know social entrepreneur 
I'm so overwhelmed by how difficult that decision must have been in such a position of power. Yeah, to, yeah. you know, give yeah. it all up and to start working at the grassroots level with uh, self-help groups across Maharashtra. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so there's so many cases like that. Another uh, dear friend, Shinjini Kumar, she was at Citibank and now she set up her own app to help women to understand and navigate personal finance. Mm. She's become an entrepreneur too when she was very senior at Citibank. Mm. Of course, Citibank, uh, she quit long back, but Citibank has, of course, now gone out of the country. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this is the kind of, you know, these are the kind of leaps that women are taking when mm. they're crossing 40, 50, that, okay, enough, I've done this and now I want to do something else. And now I want to do it for me. Now I'm not doing it for what is expected of me. Now I'm doing something that will please me and make me happy. And that is the selfishness that I was talking about. Mm. You know, do what makes you happy. And uh, to get there, of course, there has to be a certain amount of financial security before you take that leap. Okay. I don't recommend. Just I check. It's the midlife <laughs> when you are kind of yeah. into that space. Yeah. Yeah, you've made your money, you're financially secure, you've got your prop you've got your investments, you've got your properties, and if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? So yeah, that courage is needed, definitely, you know, to step out and do something which is different. And then I think also, you know, nowadays there is a lot of acceptability also. People are also flexible. Okay, if somebody wants to do something different, it's okay. And the awareness around us you know, the opportunity and you, you know, there are so many people who inspire you. You see other people doing it. and You kind of also open your eyes to it that, yes, if they can do it, so can I, at least, you know, I can start with a thought process. So I think, yeah, all of that is what is, I think, a lot different from how it used to be earlier. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Kiran, of course, we've been speaking about women and the, you know, various roles that they play in their lives. So, I mean, I don't have to elaborate on all the various roles, the wife and the mother and the daughter. And the, if you're working, then your work and all of that. So how do you juggle the various roles that you have to play? Huh. <laughs> as badly as everyone else, I think we are all like, uh, you know, swans gliding on the surface and paddling like mad under the surface. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have... Uh, I'm very lucky in the sense I stay with a mother, my mother-in-law who handles all the kitchen and all the staffs. So I don't look at that at all. My only job is uh, the home is to make sure that it's stocked and thankfully with all the apps that is in ease now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, how do I manage? I, I think uh, most of us do that, right? We multitask like hell. Yeah. So we we're do. doing 10 things at a time. So... And uh, somehow we managed to do it. So it's no great deal. It's just that we are able to somehow, but the female brain can multitask, the male brain can't. So yeah. the female brain can, you know, be on a, working on a deck, can be listening to some other instructions, can be making notes for something else, can be getting the kids stuff ready for school the next day. We can do it all together. Well, the man will be like solely focused on what he's doing. Yeah, we can't do more one thing, that's for sure. At a time. So I don't know whether it's a good thing or bad thing, but we get more done. All we of do. us. I mean, if you give a man two things to do at one time, I'm sure both of them will not get done. You know, he'll make yeah. a mess of both of them, whereas a woman will do those two and maybe two others as well. well so I guess yeah. we have that ability to... But when you have everything on your plate, I mean, there is a timeline and, you know, you have to do it. So how do you kind of... Is there any way that you... Like maybe you prioritize and you, you know, things like that. That's what I meant when you. Um, 
prioritize, I do have a to-do list. I, I'm sure all of us have a to-do yeah, list. Yeah. The important tasks are there. I, I like to do the, uh, the frog technique, the big frog, finish off the big frog right in the beginning. Whatever yeah. is like really I'm dreading to do, I'll get it done. I start my day by around five. I finish uh, I, whatever morning task. My son goes to college and he's a fitness freak. So he wants that, you know, locale, dabba and all that is done. Get to my desk. I'm working. And then, of course, the house is whatever is running. If I have recordings, I'll go off to recordings. But I get my, I know at the start of the week what my week is going to be like. Okay. And because I am a freelancer, to, so to speak, I don't have fixed hours. Hmm. So podcast recordings can come at any point. Uh, interviews can come at any point. Uh, meetings can crop up. But I do try to schedule on a Sunday my entire week. Okay. And I exactly know that on this day, I have to do this. I have to deliver this. These are my deliverables for the week. Hmm. And how will I set about doing this? And how much time do I have factoring in commute? Okay. between meetings and sometimes meetings could be emails you know I'm sure you know that also I mean you've dealt with that sorry not know that but that that is the most infuriating thing for me <laughs> given yeah. traffic exactly. so I try to avoid that those kind of things but anything that I think is not really important where my physical presence is not required I try to get it done over a call or yeah. over emails and uh, I've become very good at the art of saying no so I say no to around uh, of 10 invitations or requests or anything that I get I say no to around nine mm -hmm. so and I've only learned right now the power to say no you know I had the courage to say no so yeah. to speak because I I... earlier I was always yeah I was always very hesitant about what would people think about me they'll think I'm so smarmy and she thinks too much of herself it's okay, okay. I don't them... have to say yes yeah, to everything yeah yeah so okay so, Kiran, um, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Having a great time traveling the world. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, uh, what about your writing? <laughs> I don't uh, see myself 10 years from now. I'm happy if I can get from day one to day two with my writing. Uh, I don't plan anything, Sangeeta. I can't see myself 10 years from now. I've never been able to plan what I do in my life. Okay. So okay. I'm not the person who says 10 years from now, I'm going to win the book or 10 years from now, I'm going to be a Sahitya Academy winner. And I just hope that the books I write, each is better than the previous one and uh, they bring joy to the readers and I, I'm i able to tell stories that I want to tell. That's about it. That's about it. Writing is concerned. That I think is like, I think everybody who wants to tell stories, that's a good dream to have. I mean, you're doing that now and you continue to you know do it 10 years from now as well, maybe in a bigger, better way. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so my last and final question, which I ask every guest. Can a woman have it all? Of course, why not? All right. If she wants to. And if she, wants to, if she has the courage to say no to a lot of things and a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And if she has the courage to be disliked. Yes. And to be okay with being disliked, she can have it all. Great. Yes. That's actually a lot of stuff that you have packed in that. Yes. The courage, <laughs> because I think many times we don't go after our dreams or what we want to do because we don't have the courage. We are worried about what the world will say or, you know, how they will judge us or whether they will question us. So, yeah, a lot of courage is required. And I also think knowing what you want is very essential. I think within one's gut, one knows. 
hmm. from the time you know what you are uh, you know attracted towards you what is your life's calling at some yeah. point in your life uh, after you've lived a certain number of years you know that this is what i want to do this is where my passion lies it's hmm. just the courage to follow that and to you know pay heed to your intuition we sort of have stomp all over our intuition and don't listen to our inner voice so to speak and sort of swat it down and say keep quiet this is not the time and you have more important things to do you can't be a musician you can't be a singer you can't be a designer you can't do uh, you know you can't be a therapist you can't be a reiki healer you we keep telling ourselves this is nonsensical you're in a you know corporate world and you're in a high paying profession why would you quit it all to do something you can't run your own cafe you can't run your bookstore but mm-hmm. within everybody that dream is there that one day i'll give this all up and i'll open a bookstore or i'll open a cafe or mm-hmm. do something so we know it somewhere it's yeah. just that we don't follow through on it so just be quiet listen to what your inner self is telling you and after a point when you decide okay this is it i need to take the jump just take the jump so do you think is it this is more with uh, women not listening to their inner calling or is it for men and women both men and women both more for women because there is so much additional pressure to be a certain way and to do certain things to be answerable and responsible for so much there's yeah. so much of uh, you know uh, expectations in terms of even domesticity maintaining social relationships maintaining familial relationships all that comes primarily on the woman to manage yeah yeah so, yeah so there's too much juggling that happens i think and it's not necessary it's, it's okay just say hmm i'm so going to focus no, on myself yes i think so know what your all is and then go out to get it right don't stop yourself i think you're right many times we just stop ourselves because this is not right this is you know how i mean what will happen to the house or what will happen to the husband or the children and i think we put all these things you know before our own interests and our calling and i think uh, that's why we don't end up uh, doing what we want to do yes. we become very resentful and bitter and that's not a good place yes. to be that is not a good place to be in so i, I th- sacrifice my entire life for you and what is this we'll be telling our kids later and the kids will be like we didn't ask you to do it absolutely yeah and we've heard this in the past in movies and we've read about it where parents or mothers have said this you know i did all this for you but yeah they never ask you to do it it's your choice mm-hmm. okay okay all right so thank you so much kiran it was indeed wonderful getting your views and insights into these you know things questions which i think a um, lot of women they face and a lot of women they have these but you know somehow you sometimes you don't know what the answers are and when you hear somebody else maybe resonating with you or saying the same thing that you are saying or thinking i think it helps a lot and that's the whole thing why we do this over here why we get women achievers to talk about their lives so thank you so much for being on the show my pleasure completely thank you so much for having this show it's very important that women hear diverse voices and find something that resonates with them so thank you for doing this show thank you thank you thank you for listening to this podcast tune in every thursday for some more inspiring conversations with women trailblazers if you like the show follow us and you could leave a review to help us get better you could even get in touch with us on any one of our social media handles